1: Hello and welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. Need I say anything about the last time Newcastle United kicked the football? The club that seemed to lurch from one disaster to another dipped their toe into life into the second tier once again next season. In a 3 0 defeat away to relegation rivals Brighton, in a performance that can only be described as disgusting and totally unacceptable, our players showed no fight and looked as disjointed as a fan base that are now desperate for change. Local media and former players, just to name a few, have called for Steve Bruce to leave the club after the defeat on the south coast meant it was just two wins in 20 for United. Yet, there is no chance of immediate change over this current international break as it was revealed in the wake of the defeat at Brighton that Bruce has retained the full support of Mike Ashley, a man that looks to be blissfully unaware that the club he still owns is in dire straits and only heading in one direction. I'm your host Harry Roy and today I'm joined once again by my NUFC Vavil office writers Dan Wright and Alex Wood. So lads, how would we go about dissecting what we've seen against Brighton?
0: You did a pretty good job of it in your intro. We've used every adjective under the sun to describe Newcastle United doing these podcasts late, and there's none left to describe that. We, we, I remember we did one after Sheffield United and we said we were pretty much in agreement that is the worst we've ever seen. It seems like we're finding new and new ways to go worse, and I'm really, really intrigued as to see how on earth they're going to take it from here, because you can't get worse than that, surely. Well, maybe you can. I don't know what it you're It is saying. Newcastle,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we think that we've seen the worst of Newcastle, and then something brand new comes along, or we think we've seen the best of Newcastle, and then this streak comes along, and it's it is sleepwalking into next season. That's what it is. It seems like the players are done. It seems like the management's done. There's there's no fight from anybody. The only people that I, I can see fighting amongst themselves are the fans.
1: Yeah, it's, it's horrible to see, isn't it? 'Cause outside the ground, once again on, on Saturday, the, the war flags who, who do a fantastic job and I think demonstrating how the fan base feels were very, very strong with their opinion on Steve Bruce and a, a few banners once again out outside the ground. But obviously the topic of Bruce it's it's been the, the he's been the name on the tip of everyone's tongue for the past, you know, since the start of this week really and it's not just Newcastle fans who have been seeing this for the best part of eighteen months that Bruce isn't the right man to lead the club forward and we've kind of been lambasted as fans like we always are by the by the, the media and you know the national pundit to, you know gone the likes of, of Talksport and stuff but I think they've now kind of realised I know Jeff Stellan put a tweet out didn't he just saying Newcastle mm-hmm. fans I now understand what you're talking about because it just wasn't good enough out there on Saturday and you expect the minimum from your players if you know it's the biggest game of the season Brighton were well up for it I thought they were very good. But Newcastle didn't turn up, and and Kieran Clark, even in his, his post match interview, he turned around and said, "We we didn't fancy it." I mean, what what sort what 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 does that what does that mean? What does that tell you? You know, I think it's quite evident that he's he's lost the dressing room. How do you see it, lads? Because Steve Bruce now, you know, for me, I, I would have probably took action if I was Mike Ashley after the Sheffield United defeat because that defeat was so damning, and it was a a case of like you said before, Dan, of where do you go from here? And it's just another all-time low for a club. We've got nine games remaining to somehow get ourselves out of this mess. And we're somehow still also, it's in our hands, we're two points clear of Fulham <laughs> with a game in hand, which it's absolutely unbelievable that they're in this point because it seems like they're relegated without ever being in the bottom three all season.
0: Yeah, it really doesn't feel like when we're above Fulham with a game in hand. That, yeah. That's mental. But I think, Bruce, we've all had worries about is tactical issues or if he doesn't do tactics or whatever that quote is from a few seasons ago but we've been right the whole time last season a high percentage of our goals were scored by center halves and full backs that isn't sustainable this season you've got one fella who's had his injury injuries in the past he scored or assisted over half our goals this season that's not sustainable like he's got he's been the luckiest manager in the league for 18 months and it's only now that he's had a few injuries at the wrong time that you start really see it unravel but this unraveling's not because of this injury or because of COVID this unravelling has been starting since the minute he stepped through this door bit by bit he's been taken apart the side that was built by Rafa Benitez in terms of defensive structure in terms of going forward as a cohesive unit bit by bit it's been he's got it away from where we were and we are probably going to go down and he has lost the dressing room now completely 100% the players They're not fighting for him. You see the likes of Dwight Gale, Andy Carroll storming off at the end of the pitch. Nobody wants him there. The fans certainly don't want him there. But he's not going to move. And for some reason, the hierarchy aren't going to pull the trigger. It absolutely beggars belief. But there's not a club more deserving than this relegation than Newcastle United, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, no, Dan, I completely agree with everything that you've just said there to build on what you've said as well Callum Wilson with his 15 goal contributions um, that's the highest percentage of a single player who has contributed to goals in the entire 92 that's all four, four divisions that's every single club we are dependent on one man so much and he's only played 23 games for us this season. We all knew his injury stats throughout the season and to build on what you've said as well, with Bruce dismantling in this club, when he came to Newcastle United, we were a counter-attacking team. We sat back, we absorbed pressure and then we hit you on the break and yes, it wasn't pretty, yes, it was really, really ugly um, at times, but we had an identity from watching the game Against Brighton, I couldn't tell you what
1: our identity is. Just touching on on Bruce, really, and I'm going to give him credit for last season because I think everyone wrote him off when we came in. I know Bookmakers paid out on us getting relegated, but... I think Aston Villa fans have, have been quite vocal for for a fan base that don't get on really with Newcastle fans. They've you know let us know very much what they also think of Steve Bruce, and they said you know the second season you have with him is is some is somewhat poor, but it's just unbelievable. Once again, that that's that start with with Callum Wilson. It's uh, you know when you're relying on one player so much, it's you know it's never going to work out because we always knew he was going to get injured. It was just at what point. He's, we knew this is why certain clubs, the likes of Spurs, didn't pull the trigger on signing him in the summer, because he has this hamstring injury, and if it just seems the slightest little twinge, and he's out for six weeks. I was at the Southampton game, and I was you know live tweeting, and he went down. I was like, oh no, he's down. He got straight back up. I was like, oh great, he's back mm-hmm. on his feet. And then that's last we've seen him for six to eight weeks, so it shows that that weakness there. And when you're relying on a man that's scored so many goals and assisted so many goals to lose them out your side of course it's going to be damaging but you've also got to put aim on the other players as well to stand up and 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 and, you know stake their claim to get in this side we haven't seen that from any of them I feel like I'm just rambling on here but the the, the tactics as well Graham Jones was appointed Uh, it almost seems like that was Mike Ashley's move wasn't it instead of sacking a manager it was like you know I'm going to bring in this coach to help Steve Bruce out and it seems that that's even ran a bit dry as well with the formation but to not start a striker away to Brighton how are you expecting to score a goal uh, did they have a shot I don't think we had a shot target all night did we you no. can't expect to score goals without a registered strike group front you've got Andy Carroll and Dwight Gill on the bench albeit not the greatest of options but they'll certainly give su- their defenders something to worry about and, and Brighton as a side aren't the best defensively you know as I'm sure you boys will have watched the Crystal Palace game where they dominated the match and got sucker punch right at the very end they're not a good side they can't defend very well and we've put Ryan Fraser, a winger who's been unfit all season up front, And Miguel Almiron, who's come back, been rushed back from an injury, you could tell he wasn't fit, and start him as a centre forward when we all know he's an attacking midfielder. Who actually was meant to be playing up
0: front? I've, I don't know because it seemed like Fraser and uh, Joe Linton were playing wide and Almiron was the furthest forward player through the middle, but the most times we've seen him, he was in the defensive midfield position, mopping up, yeah. and then when he did get forward, you, like you said, he wasn't fit. Definitely not, and like we just didn't have anyone there. He, Andy Carroll might be useless, but if you stick him there, he's a present. If you stick Dwight Gayle, which I want to happen, you might actually get something. But it's a good point you make about formation as well before, because the whole formation I feel and why it works so well was because it was built around Callum Wilson. Also, yeah. almost you take him out and you try and do the same thing with in players that just aren't as good, and it shouldn't come as a surprise to Steve Bruce or Graham Jones or whoever is thinking it up. That it's just not going to work. It's inept. It's naive. It's just so poor. And
2: we knew that this this was a, a possibility when Jones was appointed. Throughout his managerial career and his coaching career, he's he's had these really wacky ideas that one maybe pull off out of a thousand. But when that one does pull off, it's still a really strange idea. It's not entirely the most cohesive one that anybody ever really. Um, listens to but again there's a lot of um, really amazing statistics that, that we can throw out um, um, that we can say about Newcastle and the performance obviously Brighton um, as Harry said they aren't a good side but um, since they've been really struggling and down in, the, down in the muck they've had something like 42 shots on target and only scored four goals before they managed to absolutely thunderstruck Newcastle for three so in terms of goals as well 15 teams in the Premier League have scored more goals than Newcastle United, um, which is just incredible. Um, obviously, you've got um, Wolves and that that are down at the bottom, but they lost their main striker through a, a torrential head injury this earlier on in the season. So, yeah, it,
1: it is really dummy. I just want to go back to the, the manager saying. I'm sure most Newcastle fans, anybody that's got any clue with the club and those that we have an international break coming up, you see that your manager's won 2-20, just got thumped off a relegation rival a point ahead of you. What most seen owners would do, it seems, would sack the manager and bring somebody else in. The club aren't doing that. Just thinking whether you agree with me that this is the best time to bring a new manager and you're going to give them a week or so to get introduced to the club, the players, the training and everything... And get us fresh for Spurs. We, we've got a really tough running as well coming up now. We've played our somewhat easy games and picked up three points out of a possible 12 and not won any of them. We've got to go and play Spurs, Man City, Liverpool games. You, you don't fancy us to get any points. But with a new manager, with Wilson and St Maximum back, I would fancy us just to nick a few points.
0: You said earlier, the for you, the time was... Was it Sheffield United, Yeah, you said? Sheffield United or, for me, yeah. For, for me, it was Fulham, which was not too far before for that and then definitely after Brentford and then somehow he survived Sheffield United and it is the, the best time because it's the only time we've got like it should have been happened a while back but every game you leave it every day you leave it every day they're not in training yeah it gets worse and worse so it it's not going to happen for the next two weeks that's pretty much been confirmed if we get thrashed off Spurs will it happen I don't know the Brighton game the way that we got beat was the first time I actually thought actually this will be it he can't survive this, no matter who the owner is. And I'm absolutely gobsmacked that he's still here, and it makes you think, will he still be here if we go down? Like That's
1: what I was just about to come on to. It's there. like,
0: what would it take for him to get sacked? It's like he's trying to get sacked.
1: I see him keeping his job in the Championship. I don't think they'll sack him now, but we're nine games away. You know, international break, it's the best time to sack a manager and get somebody in. I don't see them doing that. I don't see them paying £4 million to sack him. I don't see them paying, you know, X amount to bring in a new manager. You've got to consider that Bruce, I think, is the lowest paid manager in the Premier League. Do not quote me on that. He is. I think he's on around a £1 million a year. So if they were to bring somebody else in, likes of, of, of an Eddie Howe, yes, you're not going to have to pay a compensation fee, but you're probably going to have to pay him 3 four million quid and offer him transfers and stuff in the summer, which we all know yeah. that the the club don't give him a, a head coach, it seems, a say. in in bringing anyone in
2: I just wanted to pose a question to the pair of you obviously and I I came on and said on this podcast um after West Brom this exact same question to you guys we're on about getting rid of him and we're on about saying right bye Steve Bruce it is time for you to go and I I completely agree but who do you get in who's who's in after Steve Bruce Eddie Howe's already said he won't take a mid-season
1: job right who is it well, if I was Mike Ashley, I'd be getting on my knees and begging Chris Wilder to come to the club. You know, I think you would get the city, you would get the supporters. But you left Sheffield United for one reason—that was he wanted more of a say in terms of the the transfers and and the the dealings of the football club. Something you'll not get here. So that's why I think also that they're not gonna they've not sacked him because they're really gonna struggle to get somebody else in who is going to take that job. And knowing Newcastle United sells itself and has it sold itself for the last thirteen years under Ashley as a. A uh, sleeping giant 52,000-seater stadium, fans that will go even if they're in the conference north. But the fact is, it, it's a club where you don't get much money to spend, you sell your best players, you don't get a say in transfers, the training grounds run down, and it's just an all-round terrible place to manage. Which is unbelievable to think 25 years ago when we had Kevin Keegan in charge and you know, mm. Sir Bobby, these all these fantastic managers, all these fantastic players, and now Newcastle is a football club that. No manager with any integrity would touch within a 10-foot barge pole, and that just saddens me to say that.
0: Yeah, you're spot on. To answer Alex's question, it, it's not a case for me anymore of, oh, well, who would you get? It's, well, who wouldn't I get? I'd get, have anyone over Steve Bruce. Yeah. Like, just a random bloke, say so he's been sacked in the, in the French second division, get him involved. I'm absolutely sick of what we're watching now. Just get anyone, don't care.
2: I absolutely love it, I really do um, and I, I completely agree um, I, I just thought it was a really uh, interesting question to, to ask to, to the pair of you because we've discussed it before as a trio on this podcast and it, it was just a really intriguing idea because when after the West Brom game we said th- this exact same thing, we said it's time for him to go, we don't know who's there I'm in your camp 100% Harry, um, I agree that Chris Wilder would be um, possibly one of the great get to this club in the last 20 years but as you said there he wants control over everything and which is not an unwishful thinking of any manager nowadays but Chris Wilder to me sounds like a managerial appointment for a new regime of Newcastle United and whether or not we get a new regime
1: of Newcastle United is is always up in the air. It's correct and another thing I know the conspiracy theorists are never too far away with Newcastle United but Is there not some part of you boys as well that kind of agree that they're trying to get themselves relegated so they can win this owners and directors test in the championship? (laughs) Because, you know, we know that the (laughs) EFL owners and directors test may as well be, have you seen that meme where the uh, the security guard outside the stadium just like pats them down? (laughs) I think it's a bit like that. So maybe they're they're trying to do something like that. But it's an almighty gamble. And we know Mike actually likes a bet. But to gamble with a football club like this is is, unbelievable, isn't it?
0: I do enjoy the the conspiracy idea that they're gonna walk the EFL test, but <laughs> the, this season isn't anything different, and it's the only season there's been a potential Saudi takeover. Mm-hmm. You know what was the excuse last time and the time before and on oh, when we didn't when we're back to Rafa with Josselin and gave him Christian Atsu instead of half decent players. <laughs> like this ta- takeover must have been on for a long time. <laughs>
1: well, um, did it start when Rafa was in charge? Was it was a twenty. 2018, 2017, when Staley was first interested in the club, and was, the whole bid was built around Rafa. Yeah. And it's just, oh, I tell you, it's another an awful thing as well. The fact that he's just sat at home with his dogs, watching this all and fools, when you all know yeah. and everyone knows he wants to be in that dugout helping us out. But the man's got integrity now. Respect him for that, and respect him not for coming back as much as, but you know, it pains me to not have Rafa as yeah, manager of yeah. this football club. I just hope that one day that we, you know, we've. The close being bought, he's back as manager, and we can all ride off into the sunset. But Newcastle never too far away from a disaster. We've had another disaster. Uh, something that's kind of gone under the radar was Isaac Hayden's knee injury, which has subsequently ruled him out for the rest of the season. The good news, if there is anything out of this, is he doesn't need surgery, so it doesn't look like we're going to lose him for you know the eight and nine months that you would worry about, you know, the likes of an ACL injury, totally unintentional from Eve Besuma, a real slice of bad luck. I thought Bersouma, by the way, was, was brilliant on Saturday. It was something that we're certainly missing in the midfield. But obviously, for Newcastle, it means that we've lost another key player heading into our final run of games. And how crucial is it losing him? And who would you choose to replace him? Because it's just safe to say that there isn't, you know, there's not really anyone you can go on. I'd love him to to come in the side.
0: Yeah, it was a devastating blow to one of our most important players. And what really terrifies me is that Steve Bruce's answer was to bring on Jeff Hendrick. <sighs> who must be the complete polar opposite in terms of energy and dedication to the club. And I just think it's a point I've been thinking a while, like when Matty Longstaff came in near the Christmas time, he never let the club down. He no. always gave his best. But then you've got Jeff Hendrick playing the odd game and he's got a stupid red card against Southampton that on nine times out of ten probably would have cost us three points. So he, you've got a, a young lad who's fighting for the for his club, his local club. And he's never let the club down. And then you've got Jeff Hendrick, who's coming, in and he's, he's been shocking all season. And he got a daft red card in a crucial game. And you think, why is he picking Jeff Hendrick? I'd have either Longstaff ahead of him. But for me, the one to replace him should be Matty. Yeah. I think he's got more energy, more drive. He's more box to box. He's, he could actually be a more attacking option than Hayden.
2: Hayden is the player. For Newcastle United and has been the player for Newcastle United this season. When he's played in that midfield it's worked. He is part of the spine of this club and is one of our best players. Looking back on like two three years ago I never thought that that sentence would utter out of my mouth but it definitely has done and I agree with Dan. I think it is time for the Longstaff brothers to really step up and prove their might. There must be something going on in the background. Um, Either Jeff Hendrick is the best trainer in the Premier League <laughs> or Matty Longstaff's the worst? I, I, I don't understand it because it's not fitness because he's playing for every under-23s game. It's not attitude because he's he's obviously re-signed the contract and committed to the club. So is it a personal beef
1: or is it something else? I I, I, I couldn't tell you. Well, wasn't he injured, Matty Longstaff? He's caught with an injury, but he's been on for an awful long time and considering around the Christmas time, I thought he was excellent against Man City. and Liverpool mm-hmm. played them games back to back, and then after that, we've we've not really seen him. But the other thing I want to touch on about is the position that Isaac Hayden was was playing. I think it's for the last few games, it's almost like he was a left midfielder in this like four four two narrow formation. So it's not like he's a holding central defensive mid anymore, which we you know we'd expect Hayden to play. He's almost been like a bit of a winger, and he's kind of like the the pathway almost from us. You know, transitioning from defense to attack. And I think if you're gonna lose Hayden, you'd probably lose him when he's in that position and. I agree with you boys, Matty Longstaff for me comes in there, I think he would do alright because he's a battler and you know he's, he's not the biggest of lads but he's a grafter and he you know he's physical, he gets himself about and that would be the choice for me but I think another thing that is a total miracle is that Newcastle aren't in the bottom three, I know we've touched on this before, of somehow they're two points clear of Fulham with the game in hand, I think the, the game in hand is Man City but the point still is that they, they, they're somehow... 17th in the Premier League and have not been in the bottom three all season if I'm if I'm not too correct but what I want to ask lads is where do we think the points are going to come from because I'm looking at our next run of games we've got Spurs at home, write that game off, Burnley away maybe a point at best, this is all under the proviso that Steve Bruce remains manager until the end of the season by the way, West Ham at home we always do well against West Ham regardless of how well they're doing this season, I could see us sneaking a point out of that Liverpool away, defeat Arsenal at home defeat, Leicester away defeat, Man City, you're going to lose like 10 of them regardless. And then Sheffield United and Fulham, I dare not predict them two games, I I just don't want to. But I think Newcastle are going to need at least three wins if they want any chance of survival. And the only hope I think for me is if Fulham continue to lose games. And it seems like they've went through their purple patch now and are starting to come out the other side because I thought they were poor against Leeds on Friday.
0: Yeah, I don't want to sound over dramatic, but if Steve Bruce is the manager, I generally can't see us getting another point from those well, yeah, games we just listed. But I just don't see it. The performances just aren't there now. Maybe that's been a bit unfair because we'll have the the front three back for a fair few of them. So you never know. But the games that we need, we've got to win Burnley, Fulham, Sheffield United, and I've got to hope it doesn't go down the last two games right because we'll bo- we'll, bo- we'll bot I wouldn't fancy us
1: in a dog file at all no
0: definitely not and we no, need yeah. to get something from either spurs or arsenal i think at home we need to really badly their games which most teams in the division play spurs and arsenal at home at the minute they're probably thinking you know what we've got half a chance here not for us. and i think we no, because we'll give them too much respect but i think those two games we need to look at them and get something off and we need to beat burnley i just don't think it's going to happen
2: no i completely agree with dan i don't think we'll get another point this season um, I, I can't see it. I, all the rest of the, the teams that we've got to play, aside from Burnley and obviously Sheffield United when we play them, will have something to fight for. You look at Spurs, they're trying to get into that top six. West Ham, they're they're trying to keep their European hopes alive. Liverpool obviously trying to secure a top 6 place or the 7th spot. Arsenal exactly the same. Leicester trying to get into the Champions League. City probably will have won the title there but trying to keep it going as well and then obviously as I say Sheffield United will already be be down at that point point. and last game of the
1: season Fulham they'll be fighting for their lives if not already safe. I'm just looking at Fulham's fixtures just off the off chance here and they've got Aston Villa away. Grealish should be back for that. Hopefully, you know Villa can win that <laughs> game then it's Wolves at home. I would fancy them to win that Fulham Uh, then they've got Arsenal and Chelsea I think Arsenal away you know you fancy yourself you never know which Arsenal are going to turn up Chelsea Mm -hmm. I don't see them winning Burnley at home, I think Burnley are going to be safe by then, so Fulham should win that, then they've got Southampton away, another side that are going to be safe, not on the holidays, not playing for anything they'll win that, and then they've got Man United away they're not us on the final day, so I can see Fulham possibly getting four or five wins I think it's going to be very, very tough for Newcastle to survive, and if our predictions are correct, Newcastle will be relegated to the Championship for the third time in the Mike Ashley era, but what I do want to touch on is relegation and if it is to happen, which players are, are going to stay do you know, a, a lot of people are going, oh, there's going to be a fire seal, we're going to lose Miggy. we're going to lose Callum Wilson, we're going to lose all these players. Take a step back, are we actually going to? Because look at Norwich, you know, everyone expected Timo Pukki to leave, Deer to leave, Todd Cantwell to leave, Max Ahrens to leave. The, the hindsight is they only lost Ben Godfrey and they only lost Jamal Lewis because the bids that came in for them, you could not turn down. So who in this climate, especially after the pandemic, clubs do not have a lot of money to throw around. Who was going to spend £25 million on Miggy? Who is going to spend between 35 and 40 million for St Maximin? The only player I can see, I can 100% confidently say, that will leave the club is Callum Wilson. And that is only because the World Cup is next year and he's got to be playing Premier League football.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not quite as confident as he is keeping players. I think Norwich is a fair comparison, but also slightly flawed in that the wage bills of our top players will be so much more. Yeah. I don't know it's for sure, but I'm guessing your St Maximin and your Admirals are on more than your Todd Cantwells just because he's come from their academy, we've spent money on them, and then they've had contract extensions on top of that. And I think we might be forced into trying to sell them because with with COVID, it'll have a financial effect on us as well. I think we might have to sell players at a cut price if we, well, when we go down. Um, See, I
1: don't think we will, to be honest, because Newcastle, another thing you've got to consider is they're going to have parachute payments. They're a debt-free club. That's the only consolation you can ever give to Mike Ashley is (laughs) we have no debt running for the club. One slight concern is there is no um, relegation clauses, it seems, in any player's contract, which is a worry. So for that, you would have to get promoted like the first season back or second season back, which I think Ashley will do if he is still in charge of the club. I think you know the last two times we've been relegated, he's bankrolled us and got us promoted and either sold players or if, in this case, he would keep them. And the side, even without Wilson, for me, should win the league can a canter because it's a good side. It's a mid-table Premier League team. And don't let anybody tell you that this side is not good enough for the Premier League because it clearly is. It's a good side. I'd love to see what a capable manager would do with that squad because I tell you now, they'll be nowhere near the bottom three. Yeah, nah, and nah, that,
2: nah. that's what we said at the beginning of the season. We said this this is a mid-table side that has no problems and no troubles about relegation. I, I agree with um, what Dan said, actually. Um, I think we could lose a lot more players, but I don't think it will be your Miggies or... Yeah, um St Maximins or even your Jamal LaSalle's and Isaac Hayden's I think we could end up seeing both goalkeepers leaving um, in your Dallos and Dubravka's, Bradkers um, and I, I think we could end up seeing some more defenders like your Lejeunes, your Shahs, and uh, maybe even your Kieran Clarks um, and Fernandez's, because they've been outstanding for us this season um, but I think that it could be a lot more of your depth players that end up leaving this team um, including Ryan Fraser as well
1: you actually forget how deep the squad is. Dude, mm. You know, we've had so many injuries, but you don't realise, like, Ryan Fraser's still like, a 20 odd, 30 million pound player. If that squad, if they all go down, and yes, I think they'll lose Wilson, if they don't win the league with like 90 to 100 points, it's something seriously up. Because that's be nowhere yeah. near the championship. And I know, Dan, you, you said before about the argument of like Norwich and comparing Norwich and if they've not lost many players is a bit flawed, but look at Wofford as well with his male Saw. He's still at the club. I remember everybody in the summer, as soon as Watford were relegated, they were saying, Oh, is saws going to leave? Man United, Liverpool, all these clubs interested in him. Watford just turned around and went, £45 million, pounds, take it or leave it. And nobody stumped up the money to get him. And it could just be the same for us unless there's release clauses in contracts. I'd suggest there's one in St Maximum's because he signed that new six year deal. I would assume there is a, a release clause in there. But I don't think it'll be like 20 million quid. I think it'll be like 35, 40 million, if I'm being honest.
0: Nah, no, if we if we can keep St. maximum, I think the championship has potentially one of the most fun seasons ever. See what he does to some of the full backs in the Premier League and you just yeah. think, My God, what well, that so would be good so good to fun. watch.
1: Well, I think that's a great way to wrap up the podcast. We've somehow ended on a positive and probably one of the worst weeks and one of the worst times to ever support Newcastle United. But this has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, as well as the Premier League, the EFL, the Women's Super League and, of course, the Champions League. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.